0: listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number 1 weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie Truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au G'day all, it's episode number 98 and as always, it's great to have the pleasure of your company. On this week's show, Trevor Warner and Mike get all hot and bothered on the topic of pay rates. And Adam Gibson from NTI joins us later in Something to Talk About to add his statistical expertise and real-world knowledge and experience to the hot topic, which is rest areas for truckies. We revisit a Jane Denham classic, as well as new music from Canadian import Jess Moskaluke. all the latest from the on-the-road newsroom, and more. So volume up, settle back, and... Let's get
1: this show on the road! Yes, get over that!
2: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on
3: the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening <laughs> to the big rigs on the road. Right? <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of trucking classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage, our email address Big Rig Radio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com.
2: There have been a few people on social media and they've had a go at some of us about the positions we hold on the way we get paid. And because we say things as they really are, rather than the fantasy world in which some people want to live, we've been, I suppose, put into a shoebox and been called stupid. Well, I've got Trevor Warner with me here now, and we had a bit of a chat about pay, pay rates, what is and what should be, and try and put a few things to bed. Just because you accept something and look at the way it is, doesn't mean you necessarily agree with it. But a few people who shall remain nameless, but you know who you are, Jeff Sullivan, ringing me up, having a bit of a crack and saying, well, this is the way it should be. Mate, let's just talk about how we think it should be. You'll be surprised how far to the left I am on this. Trevor Warner, welcome to the show, mate. G'day, mate. Good to be back. Right. So you and I have come under fire because apparently you said that K-rates were a thing and there would be drivers who would be unhappy if they couldn't stay on the K-rate. That's true, isn't it?
4: Well, it is. It is. This debate's been flying around for a while, and there's been EBAs negotiated where the K rate is really attractive. You know, one guy rung me up. He said, don't you dare get rid of my K rate because I'm on 65 cents a K. Mm. I do overnight express, and I do not touch the freight. Yep. So that is the ideal position for a line haul operator, and he doesn't want to lose that K rate to go on hourly.
2: Yeah, I mean, just because one bloke has got a great deal that doesn't mean it's great for everyone. In fact, I would go as far as to say the K rate should be outlawed. Sorry, mate, for the fellow that's on 65 cents a K that doesn't touch the freight. You're in the vast minority when you're talking like that.
4: Well, this is right. This is right. Some of the figures that we've seen floating around the cities is just absolutely atrocious. My disgruntled attitude with K-Rate a while ago, I actually went to the Fair Work Commission. We've discussed this on your show before. And, yeah. And big business just said, no, there's absolutely no appetite. Now, sitting back, looking at what they did, of course, they added their own spin to it, but mm. this industry's got so many different aspects. Now, you've got old mate on his 65 cents and does his express. He doesn't touch the freight. Okay, that's a great deal. Now, you've got myself who will go to a farm or spend a couple of hours loading. Then you drive, you a couple of hours unloading if you're extremely lucky, seven hours if you lob into Coles or Woolies.
5: Mm.
4: Now, the way the K-Rate works is they worked it out on a 10 to 12-hour day. That was what it was originally designed for. But of course, then with the shortage of drivers, I say, oh, buddy, can you just go and do this for us? Help us out with this. And so next minute you find yourself, you're doing up to 17 hours a day. And you're still only getting paid for that 12 hours because that's what they worked out. Say Brisbane to Sydney, Mm. that's what they worked out. If you're on hourly with overtime or a K rate, Brisbane to Sydney is pretty well much the same thing. You both get paid the same amount of money. But if your job doesn't stop at BP Eastern Creek, then you've got to go and do deliveries. The K rate is just completely out the window. So while one guy's getting a benefit from the K rate, there's so many others that are getting screwed over by it. And then when you go to the management, they just say, oh, well, that's what the award is. Yeah. Okay, so you go to the the courts where the awards get made and they turn around and say, no, you're just a silly truck driver or a Whingen truck driver. We've been discussing this for 30 years and this is the product we've now got. Mm -hmm. And they dismiss the case. To break through that legal process, given the resources the driver's got, you can't confuse your capabilities and your ambitions.
2: Well... There's a couple of things that I would say that were pointed out to me when I was having my phone conversation with old mate Jeff, and he said that the K rate really equates to piecework, and piecework is illegal in Australia, and he used the example of someone who used to work for stubbies making shorts, and sewing the back pocket on a pair of stubbies, and obviously the more pockets they sewed on, the more they got paid. Well, the same incentive is true for truck drivers on K rate. The more Ks they do, the more they get paid. But it's also counterproductive. It creates all sorts of problems with guys trying to get that extra trip in. It creates an incentive for guys to speed. It creates an incentive for aggravation when they get cut up by cars in the traffic. The K rate, really, no matter who benefits at 65 cents a K, to me is just wage theft, pure and simple.
4: Well, it is. Just to back up a little bit now, piecework in Australia may be illegal in certain circumstances, mm. but piecework is actually defined in the Fair Work Regulations. And one of the definitions of piecework is if you get paid by the kilometre. So that's current war in Australia now. Unfortunately, one of Jeff's good mates stood up for the transport industry and he got a hold of the Fair Work Commission and they managed to convince the ATO that drivers on K-rate are actually pieceworkers and according to the regulations, they need to be paid superannuation on their entire kilometres travelled for the week that's law. Mm. And then in around about 2012, our good friends at Nat Road and and some other associations convinced the ATO that, no, that wasn't right, that we should only get paid on a 38-hour week, which is the definition of ordinary time earnings.
5: Mm.
4: So if you do 6,000 Ks for the week and you might get $600 worth of super, oh, no, no, couldn't have that. So they dragged us back to um, the standard 38-hour super. So that debate highlights that piecework in the transport industry is legal. Mm. But the trouble is, the piecework started out as, we're going to pay you $5 to sew up a pair of jeans with one pocket. Now, they're getting paid a similar amount of money, but they're sewing two pockets on, they're doing two pockets at the front, they're doing a change pocket, and they put an extra belt loop on.
5: Mm.
4: And that's where we are in transport now. You've got some people that just do depot, depot. There's no loading, unloading. They don't touch the freight. And then you've got others that they do that. Then they've got to load their truck. They've got to wash their truck. They've got to fuel their truck. Then they've got to do deliveries at the other end. So it stretches that 12-hour average day out to 17 hours with no extra pay. Now, it's that section that we wanted to move into an hourly rate. Now, that is in the award. So k Freighters, they pay their drivers up to 17 hours a day. It's in their EBA. But the rest of the world that aren't on EBAs, Sydney, Brisbane, that 12-hour mark is your cut off if you're on K-Rate and you don't get paid any extra. Now, it's that extra that we need to be getting paid the hourly rate, and that would cater for a large chunk of the industry that just do depot, depot, and the ones that load and unload their trucks as well.
2: Well, I'd go as far as to say that all kilometre rates right should be just abandoned. Because the way we see it now, we're moving towards these PBS vehicles. We were listening to Adam Gibson talk the other day, and he was quite plain that B triple PBS vehicles are the safest form of road transport in Australia. They have less incidents than any other combination, and they're the most productive. So we move into that situation. Now we go from where someone is being paid cents per kilometre to drive a single. They're not getting paid more to drive a B-double, really. They're getting a couple of cents more, and then they're getting paid a couple of cents more to drive these pocket road trains and these PBS trucks. The employers love them. The big companies love them because they're moving more freight for less money. They're using one prime mover instead of three. They're using one driver instead of three, and they're getting the driver for cents on the dollar. That doesn't seem like a fair deal to me, and it's getting harder to put these things anywhere in a rest stop. The things are just getting too big. You can't maneuver around with them and drivers are just getting raped. It's wage theft yet again in a different form. Absolutely. You're dead
4: right. Now, Jeff, in this instance, is absolutely spot on the money. We've made representations. The NRFA have made representations to the union. Now, we're doing this as a joint thing. We will be doing our direct negotiations. But in this particular case, we've joined with the TWU because they've got some really switched on lawyers that we don't have to pay for. So it pays to do a joint venture here. Now, we've made representations to add an an extra category to cover the B triples. It just blew my mind that a B double driver gets paid exactly the same as a B triple and a double road train driver Hmm. because there's no gap in the middle for that. And yet, as Jeff rightly says... Those vehicles are now restricted to 90K. So you lose 10% straight away. Yeah. I'd like to see B triples and double road trains, given the amount of work that's involved and the extra risk that you've got to take and the extra training, they should be up at 65, 70 cents, not 50,
2: 51. Well, I would argue that you should be just getting paid by the hour, mate. That's where I am, on all of it.
4: Well, the, let's step back 30 years. Now, that's actually how the K-rate come to be. Mm. I remember I was just a, a young fella driving around in a little six-tonne rigid, looking at the big bangers thing. Wow, I can't wait to drive one of those things.
5: Mm.
4: Anyway, boss man says, no, no, you're not getting anywhere near them until you can keep one of these little trucks upright and you know your job. Mm. But I remember him whinging, saying, look, you guys, I'm paying you by the hour. You seem to take forever to get from Brisbane to Sydney. Mm. So I'm going to put you on K rate. And then all of a sudden, it seemed that they got to Sydney two hours quicker. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a motivation there to, to milk the hourly rate as well. Now, I'll just put the employer's hat on here for a minute. Mm. And this happened in the construction industry too. Wages got held back because 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we didn't have this creature called OH&S. Mm. So drivers are losing wages, employers are saying there's just not enough profit in it, and all of a sudden we've got this creature of OH&S that's emerged in the industry as well. Who pays for that?
2: Well, one could argue that rather than crying about fuel tax credits that have gone missing, perhaps you should just charge the correct rate for the job. How about that?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Mate, beautiful, beautiful. That is the perfect answer. When you break it down across every item in the store, it's, it's only a matter of sense to make all these things add up. Hmm. But the amount of negotiation and then the court costs and the, the time in court to have this debate, it's enormous. There's always someone
2: there wanting to cut you down. But why do we need to go to court to have the debate? I mean, the mechanics don't go to court when they change their rate from 80 to $85 an hour. BP don't go to court when they say we're going to charge you an extra 20 cents a litre for your diesel. Mm-hmm. The politicians don't go to court when they have their CPI pay rise. Yeah. No one else seems to have an issue. If you're a nurse or a teacher or a police officer, you seem to need to have to have a protest. Yeah. Truckies, we tried having a protest. And they changed the law so we couldn't do it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's right. And, you know, you, you argue for a fair deal. Yeah. You've got all this legislation that's already been in place and they use that to hammer us on the head with it. Yeah. You come up with a logical debate and nobody wants to discuss it with you unless you're in a courtroom. It's just insane.
2: I live in hope that this time around, as we spoke to Glenn and Carol and that there the other day, the advisory panel and things that they're talking about, the 10 recommendations from Glenn Stirl's inquiry, we'll end up with something. I mean, I need to whisper it, R S R T. R S R T. I I whispered in case you didn't hear it. It's a scary, scary thought because the orders were absolutely terrible, but the concept was good. And we need to have these things built into place and legislated so that we do get cost of living increases, the same as everybody else in the country.
4: That's right, mate, and that's one thing that we were hoping. Now, I was standing side by side with Jeff, or not physically, but mm. I was on the phone pushing for um, the RSRT to let's just put it on hold for a while and, and go back to the debate to fix these little things. Mm. As drivers, we were hoping that the RSRT, having that t- tribunal there, mm. could actually bring some fairness to the drivers that were sitting at DC's that weren't getting paid. We're loading and unloading their trucks out on the farms and weren't getting paid. Yeah. There was going to be a mechanism there to make sure that the poor bugger driving that truck and it's throwing chains and straps and all that, he actually got paid for all the work that he'd done.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, I've worked for a guy before and he, he just said, look, I'm just going to pay you a flat rate of $400 a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's great. Well, one day you might worked out at 350, and the next week it's 450. Mm. Now he just wanted to pay the 400. Well, that's not legislated. He'd have to make a proper. They call it an individual flexibility arrangement in order to make that happen. Mm. Now a mate of mine, he is actually on just a set rate per day, but it's not supported in law.
5: Mm.
4: And I do remember I was reading a transcript of the Fair Work Commission talk on this. And I remember one of the commissioners saying that they've come up with a rate, some days you lose, some days you win. And I thought, yeah, okay, I can understand that if you're just driving the truck. But as soon as you add all the ancillary work that's involved in operating that truck from point A to point B and dealing with the freight, i figured that that commissioner has only read a report or a submission by someone like Toll or Linfox. Yeah. He hasn't listened to the little fella.
2: We'll just throw to do a quick break and we'll hear from one of our fantastic sponsors and we'll come back. You me there, Andy. Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about 2Ks to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they?
6: It's stuck to the tracks,
2: mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like
0: that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one.
2: It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. A long way to go after you,
6: old mate. This
0: is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au.
2: I would just go as far as to say that what people get paid really is their own business, I expect. But the problem that we've got is that we have more than just individuals. We have more than the one guy that's got the great deal on 65 cents a K. And you look at me at the other end of the scale in the mid-30s an hour to drive a single and getting paid overtime and getting paid RDOs and and sick days and all that sort of stuff. I would argue that I get paid the way we all should get paid. There comes a point where we have to be a little bit sensible about all this. I mean, you're the vice president of the National Road Freighters Association. What you believe personally may be very different to what the members want you to advocate and may be very different to what the reality is and what the laws are as they stand. It seems pointless to me to attack you or I as individuals for what we believe. Well, that's right. It doesn't matter what shirt you wear, somebody's going to be wanting
4: to throw mud at you. Yep. We're caught in this debate where drivers are going, no, I'm not doing this crap anymore. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm not getting paid right. Mm. And then you've got the subby that goes, well, hang on, I'm struggling to pay me bills here. I need more money. Yep. So the argument goes up the chain and then you hit the consumer and the consumer's gone, my money only goes so far, I can only afford to pay $2.50 a kilo for bananas. Mm. So that's the ceiling. So the whole supply chain then has to try and deliver those bananas to the consumer for $2.50. It just doesn't cut it. And there's too much, how could I put it? I won't say price gouging because nobody's really making a great lot of money except for the supermarkets, Mm. but they've got a huge amount of costs as well. So at the end of the day, The consumer pays for the whole lot. Mm. All what we're asking for is everyone should be able to at least pay their costs and make a little bit of profit. And I remember Senator McDonald, she raised that at the hearing, cost recovery plus a little bit for the business. Mm. But the lack of negotiation power, it always seems to be whoever's got the gold makes a rule. (laughs) And we've all got to abide by it. But it's a tough one. If we all get paid right and we all make a little bit of money and, you know, I don't know what the average profit according to the ATO and small business now, but let's just say 10% because my calculator that I used to quote on or work out where the freight rate on jobs, it includes a 10% profit and a contingency. Does that mean bananas are going to be $5 a kilo and milk's going to be $7? Imagine the screaming we're going to get from the consumers. Yeah, well. So we're in dangerous territory. Do we keep this rubbish up and the supply chain collapses? Or do we push the price increases through to the top end and all of a sudden we've got $7 milk and $5 kilo of bananas?
2: I don't know. I'm no economist, mate. All I know is that blokes should get paid for what they do. And while you're sitting in the truck, not necessarily the whole time you're holding the keys, but while you're actually there and you're working and you're compelled to be there, you can't be somewhere else. Whether it's driving, whether it's sitting on your ass to DC, whether it's stacking pallets, whether it's doing whatever it is, if it's to do with the truck, far as I'm concerned, you need to get paid for doing it. That is one of the things that needs to change. This whole attitude about we'll pay your GPO to GPO, and if you do anything else, tough shit, mate, suck it up. That's fucking wrong, and it's got to stop.
4: Absolutely, mate. 100% agree.
2: Hmm.
4: There was some chatter around a while ago that whatever goes into your logbook, that's what you need to be paid for. Yeah. You've got your normal time. You've got your time and a half. You've got your double time. For God's sake, long-distance truck drivers haven't had penalty rates for 30 years. Yeah. Well, since at least 1993 from memory going back through the legislation. They've taken weekend penalty rates away from us. Where have they compensated us for that? They just give us normal time, the basic $24 an hour, mm-hmm. plus 30% loading for nighttime work and other things, plus a 20% for, uh, for overtime. Yeah. You put us together with a public servant, The public servant wouldn't even do the work we do because it's nowhere
2: near the way that they get paid. That's right. Well, don't even start me on holiday pay, mate. (laughs) If you're on K-Rate, you know, and you'll take home a couple of grand a week, and then you go on holidays and they go, oh, no, 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 we can't pay you what you normally get paid to go on holidays, mate. We're only going to pay you for a 38-hour week. All of a sudden, hours matter when they're paying you for holiday pay. Well, that's right. Could I throw a cat amongst the pigeon there? Why not?
4: Dare I say that long-distance truck drivers are
2: addicted to overtime? <laughs> or what, Not just addicted to the diesel. To the diesel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or is it the fact
4: that we're that poorly paid anyway that we've actually got to work harder and cut our holidays shorter just to make ends meet?
2: Yeah, well, i tell you, there's a book that I'm looking at, mate, called Two Lifetimes Behind the Wheel written by a bloke named Beetle Bailey, and I was put onto it by a good friend of mine and yours. And I'll be having a look at it very, very soon with a view to maybe turning it into an audio book as well. And two lifetimes behind the wheel, two lifetimes because that's about how long it takes us to actually make a living. Bloody ridiculous. Well, that's
4: right. You know, a guy I've worked with, he was carting bananas out of Tully 20 years ago. Yeah. And the freight rate today isn't that much more than what it was 20 years ago, and yet we've got all these extra burdens Business has got this OH&S creature that's gobbling away at the profits, mm. and yet the farmers up there, they're not even getting 90 cents a kilo for their bananas, yep. and they've got to pay their freight out of that. It's really a scary prospect to think that we're, farmers aren't making any money, transport isn't making any money, truck drivers are working 76 hours a week just to pay the bills. Mm. The money's got to be flowing uphill.
2: We can't even get a sniff, can we? Not even a whiff. Yep,
4: that's right.
2: All right, mate. Well, I think that's done to death. I think we have both shown where we stand on the matter in our own mind. And unfortunately, the fact that we have to acknowledge the reality, apart from what we both believe, is entirely something else. And perhaps if the blokes like fellas that ring me up and have a sook about this hadn't pissed it all away doing EBAs, we might be better off now.
4: Well, absolutely, mate. You heard it on the weekend by the CEO of NHVR. Mm. Truck drivers need a voice in Canberra. Mm. And really, the only voice that we've got that has got the money to truly fight is the TWU. Mm. Most of us have just got enough money that we might be able to go and attend a a Senate hearing or a Senate inquiry. Mm. We can at least do our own submissions. But to actually pony up the money for our own lawyer and go in and fight, we haven't got those resources. So the union is really only it. And as Therese Walton said to me, she goes into a room with nine sharks and she's she's the bait.
2: Yeah. Well mate, thanks for joining me and we'll see what they make of this one.
4: Awesome mate, we've always got the gloves on in there fighting, that's all we can do. Thanks mate, I'll catch you on the road eh?
2: See ya.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
4: Hi everyone, this is Jane Denham and you're listening to Mike and Andy and I hear that Mike is addicted to the diesel. Kirby here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the
0: Australian Big Rig's Road Show, and when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermi on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Daddy partner, are we warm and dry or wet and miserable?
2: Nah, I'm warm and dry, mate. It's a little bit cool, a little bit blustery. I'm out at Inglewood at the moment, mate. I'm heading into Bris Vegas and might be able to catch up with you and buy you a pie for tea or something tonight, mate.
0: Well, yeah, if we don't all get washed away or freeze to death in the process.
2: <laughs> Just anything could happen, mate. Anything could happen.
0: Yeah, I'm getting a bit soft in my old age, mate.
2: Yeah, you and me both.
0: Well, mate, you're always having a go at me about my jokes. Yeah. So this week I thought I'd give you a little bit of insight into how I ended up with the sense of humour that I have. Oh, this can't be good. Well no, well, it's all a factual thing. Okay. In about three weeks' time, my dear old dad will be celebrating his 101st birthday. 101? 101. Wow. So we were sitting down having a chat about it the other day, and I was telling him how he's still in remarkably good shape physically for his age, and he said it was kind of me to say that, but... In reality, he likened where his body's at now to being an old car that needs to be traded in for a newer model. Yep. As every time he coughs or sneezes, his radiator leaks and his exhaust backfires. <laughs> and that, my friend, is where my sense of humour comes from.
2: Oh look, I've got no doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can blame it all on Ted.
2: I'll blame it on Ted. Yep. <laughs> sounds
0: good. Mate, first cab off the rank this week. Uh, During a routine inspection of his cab at Mount White recently, 2.3 kilograms of cocaine was found under a Queensland-based truckie's mattress.
2: Yeah, it's snowing at Mount White, mate.
0: No reds under the beds there. It's all white.
2: Oh mate, yeah, I tell you what, buddy, two point three kilos, just for personal use. That was
0: yeah. Mount White's kind
2: of fitting, really, isn't it? It is, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. At a routine check, mm. I don't know about that. I can't remember the last time the underside of my bunk got routinely checked. But anyway, <laughs>
0: well, you got an honest face, mate. Do I? Yeah.
2: This bloke from Ipswich, Trevor Ross Carter. Why do we always get three names when someone's done something wrong? Why is it always three names? I don't understand. We usually get the age
0: too, like that makes any difference.
2: Yep. Mm. Trevor Ross Carter from Ipswich got caught with 2.3 kilos of coke under his mattress during the uh, inspection of his Kenworth at Mount White. 55 years old, he is. We've got that in the story as well. Mm-hmm. The 55 year old has also pleaded guilty to drive a vehicle with the illicit drug resident in his blood.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: He was pulled over at Mount White at about 20 to 10 on September 20, 2021. There's a lot of 20s in that. There is. It's two for two, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> Where he underwent a drug test, which was positive for methamphetamine and, and agreed to the, all the rest of it. So. The Daily Telegraph reported that Mr. Carter and a man were texting and using language such as, uh, are you bringing the HB or any freight tonight, referring to picking up bags, et cetera, et
5: cetera.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'd say that somehow or another they've dropped the ball and, yeah, uh, I don't know. Be interesting to find out what's going on. Mr. Carter was taken to the Gosford Police Station, where he told police they'd been set up during an interview. Mm. I know you get 2.3 kilos of coke in your truck. And I didn't. What did the police put it there? Did they, mate? Yeah. I don't know. Bound to be. Anyway, hmm. he was having a drink with a fellow truckie called Chubby.
0: Good old Chubs.
2: good, good old Chubs. It could be anyone. It could be. <laughs> it could be me.
0: <laughs> where were you at the time, mate? <laughs> I've got a solid alibi, mate.
2: Good. Uh,
0: anyway, You're with me if anyone asks.
2: Oh, that's right, yeah. So,
0: Carter,
2: <laughs> Carter's got to go back to court on August the 4th. He's been charged with all sorts of things. Uh, anyway, it just blows me away. 2.3 kilos of coke, no worries. 55
0: years of age, he's given us old blokes a bad rip, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm. I
2: think he's going to go for a substantial holiday.
0: Mate, we all saw the reports of the horrendous truck crash in Melbourne this week that saw a dangerous chemical spill. as a result, with the driver very fortunately walking away from the wreck with only minor injuries.
2: Yeah, mate, I saw that thing and I looked at it when I saw it on the news and I thought, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, that's going to be untidy and we'll be burying someone there, I thought. Mm. But no, he's got out of it with a few, uh, few cuts and scratches. We don't know the cause of the accident as yet, but looking at the corner and knowing the corner, I've been around it myself a few times. Mm. It's got a little bit of a lean on it, but really, there's plenty of warning too. I think we might have been just not paying attention and going a little bit too hard. That'd be my assessment, Mm. but we'll have to wait for the investigation to see what's wrong. Yeah, That's wrecked the truck anyway. Truck and trailer's all wrecked, load all over the place. Hazmat crews there to clean up. We'll just have to wait and find out. Maybe he's got some dash cam. We'll find out what happened eventually, though.
0: Yeah. Well, thank goodness he walked away anyway.
2: Well, yeah, he's walked away, but I'm pretty sure he's going to have some questions to answer.
0: Every chance, yeah. Now, we've reported in the past, mate, about the truck-friendly caravan road safety program run by Queensland couple Ken and Jenny Wilson. Mm. This valuable campaign may have to be shut down due to a lack of ongoing funding.
2: Yeah, and you've got to really wonder why we can't get this sort of stuff funded. Mm. When they launched this thing in 2019... It just seems as though it's sort of gone nowhere. No one's really very interested in it for some reason. Mm. Truck drivers whinge and bitch and moan about this all the time. We need to get some education out there for the caravanners and things. I mean, there was only another article on it today in one of the magazines I read. The New South Wales Highway Patrol had something to say, and there's one from Queensland as well. Yeah. Talking about how people are overloading their caravans and things like that. There does need to be some education, I think, It's unfortunate this has started to go sideways, but I mean, 541 followers on Facebook I'd not even heard of the project really doing anything constructive. I mean, it popped up from time to time, but I don't think it was reaching the people it needed to reach, and that's a worry. Mm. Unfortunately, it's going to go, but perhaps we need to consider something else. Maybe the NHVR needs to do something with caravans. Maybe we need to get a license for people to tow caravans. That might be an
0: idea. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more to it than the story, guys, so well worth jumping onto Big Rigs and, and having a read through it get all the facts on it
2: bigrigs.com.au. Scroll down, find the story, have a read.
0: That's the one. From this weekend, heavy vehicle restrictions on the Talabudgera Creek Bridge on the Gold Coast will come into force for four days whilst road widening works are carried
2: out. This is true, mate. I can tell you're a Queenslander. You know how I can tell?
0: Because I can pronounce Talabudgera?
2: That's right. GG, <laughs> you got some weird names up here. Oh, you yeah. really, really do. Tell me about it. Oh, uh, so oversized, overmass vehicles will only be permitted to use the Pacific Highway for the duration of the work. And if you go on to the web webpage, there's a lovely map there. You'll get off at Rudy Creek and go down through the Goldie, mm-hmm. like we used to before they put the bypass. Here. Yes. Should be a moment of fun for everyone.
0: Yeah, a bit of a scenic drive. Why not? Now, I don't quite know where to start on this one, Mike. The photo you sent me nearly broke my heart. Yeah. Seeing our old mate Lex Forsyth's original prototype Janus Electric Kenny T403 going up in flames, what
2: happened? Mate, well, no one really knows for certain yet exactly what happened. I was talking to Lex the other night. Hmm. I woke him up, mate. He's over in the States visiting someone. I woke him up in the middle of the day. It was like 2.30 in the morning, but anyway. Oh, you'd have been popular. Oh, Yeah. But he shook it off, though, and he got back to it. Mm. Look, the haters are going to hate, right? Yeah. I mean, the amount of rubbish that I've seen on social media about this truck catching fire is just ridiculous. It's like as if no diesel truck's ever burned to the ground before. Mm. I mean, for God's sake, grow up, people. Seriously. This thing was a proof-of-concept truck. Yep. They did something which was completely unheard of with it, and they made it work, and it was doing the job of proving the concept. Yeah. And unfortunately, something's gone wrong, like as if no prototypes, everybody smashed itself to bits before. I mean, how many prototype aircraft have crashed?
0: That's kind of why you make
2: prototypes, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, this has got to iron out the problems. Yep. So, you know, as Lex said when I was talking to him, the later the truck that they've done, the Coronado, Hmm. the technology, while it's all similar, it's very, very different the way it's all been applied. And they've learned lessons. And they'll even learn lessons from this fire. Yep. They'll have the thing back in the workshop, and like said they're going to pull it apart. They'll find out exactly what happened and why, mm-hmm. and they'll make it so it can never happen again. And that's what a prototype's done. So it's done its job. Oh yeah. The reality of it is, is I mean, everyone's been carrying on about what happens when these things burn. Well, now you know. Yeah. We've seen it happen. Yeah. We've all seen these DPF trucks burning on the side of the freeway. Mm-hmm. There was a, I think it was a freight line that went up. A brand new one went up and smoked in front of us at a Collins Trailers a couple of weeks ago. These things do happen. It's part of the environment we live in. And I think that Lex is going to learn a lot from it, Janice is going to learn a lot from it. He basically says here that the technology that they've been using has been incrementally developed since its inception and it's progressing and it's getting better all the time. And issues they've encountered during construction have been engineered out and are not being utilized in the current conversion. So they've learned lessons. Lex said he was a little bit disappointed because they were just about to take it in, pull it all apart, and put the side-mounted batteries on it and upgrade it all. Mm. So now it's just a science experiment sitting in the back of the shed. And as I say, they'll learn from it. That's what a prototype's for. Exactly. So grow up, you lot that are carrying on about, oh, electric truck, bad. Mm. It's not that, please.
0: Well, out of the ashes shall rise the phoenix. Indeed. Mm.
2: And I mean, it's a great idea. It's great technology, and it hasn't turned me off. I honestly believe that they'll go from strength to strength. They've got the right idea, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. And with those batteries relocated around where the fuel tanks were, mate, all that space under the bonnet now to put in a nice kitchen and ensuite.
2: Indeed. Mm. Indeed. I have got a little bit of a rant, really.
0: (laughs) It's not like you, mate.
2: No, it's not like me. I've had a guy...
0: Hang on a minute, just hang on a sec while I just put my feet up and hang on, I'm going to get comfortable here.
2: Uh, You're going to get comfortable?
0: Just turn the headphones down. Righto, off you go.
2: Can I go now? Go for it. Unbelievable. The blokes running the Adelaide-Melbourne road really do need to sort of start to think about exactly what the hell's going on over there. Hmm. I've had one guy that I've been going backwards and forwards with on Messenger who sent me a heap of photos of the OTR roadhouse, that's the BP at Bordertown, mm. and another one at Talham Bend. Both of the showers and the toilets in these facilities are absolutely disgusting, and one of them's got fecal matter on the floor. Oh, nice. So someone has done that on the floor. have happened from another person, that someone caught someone doing it in the hand basin in one of the toilets.
0: I just, there's nothing I can say to that.
2: There's nothing you can say to it. It's absolutely disgusting. I cannot think of anything even remotely sensible to say about it, apart from the fact that you're just animals, whoever's doing it. yeah. And you really need to have a bloody long-hard look at yourself and think about whether you actually deserve to be doing what you're doing. Mm. It's just a disgrace. The other thing that's starting to happen out there and that is really, really, really troubling... And I would say to anyone, if you've got any dash cam evidence of this, please submit it to the company that owns the truck and submit it to the police. Yep. And this is this nasty habit that some people have got now of working the way up beside you and then forcing you to back off to let them go by when they've got half a kilometre on you or something like that. Mm. Or, you know, running blokes into the buddy weeds or whatever at the end of three laners and things like that. Now, I am not gonna say who's responsible for this. There'll be plenty of people out there who'll say, oh, you know, we know who's responsible for it. And I am sure that there's a certain amount of attitude there that suggests that there are a lot of people that are responsible for this. And it's not everyone. Once upon a time, we used to call someone up and say, mate, I'm going a little bit better than you. How about when you give them an opportunity, let me go by. Yep. And people are more than happy. I'm more than happy to let someone go by. But I can tell you now, when someone just gets out beside me and makes it bloody hard for me, but I'm not doing anything wrong, That just gets my back up.
0: Understandably.
2: And I'm sure that that's part of the problem. Yeah. It's got to stop before someone gets killed. Yeah. Apparently, this has been happening on blind corners. It's been happening on double lines. It's been happening at the end of three-laners. It's been happening going through towns. It has got to stop. It is insane behavior. And the drivers who have dash cam footage of this, please submit it to the company that owns the truck that caused the problem and submit it to the police. Make a phone call. And we all talk about dibba dobber and all that sort of stuff. No, no, no. People are going to die. Someone is going to die. Yeah. And this has got to stop and we've got to stop it. You know, it's all about driver training and driver attitude. And I could go on and on and on and on about that. I mean, you know, that this is one of the subjects that is as, as a pet hate for me, the fact that we let anyone in here and, and let them just give them a license and say, see you later, wave bye-bye. Yeah. We need to change what's going on. We really do need to change the dynamic. It's just that road at the moment that I've been hearing about. But it's happening all over the country. I've had other people since we've been talking about it, saying it's happening out on the air highway going to Perth. It's happening on the Goom. I had a bloke pull out in front of me out of a bloody rest area only this morning. I was 200 metres off him with the crews on 100, and he pulled out of a rest area in front of me.
0: Yeah, didn't want to be behind you.
2: Didn't want to be behind me. Mm. Crazy. Mm. Crazy. And you're all over the brakes trying to stop. It's just a recipe for disaster. It is. We do need to change the way we think about what we're doing. Yep. Anyway, that's it, mate. It's not as spicy as it could have been. I could have made it a lot more spicy than that. Well, but
0: uh, Quite within your rights, mate, to get a bee in the bonnet about that. You're right, it's dead dangerous and it isn't about dobbing. It's about getting those cowboys off the road.
2: Well, that's right. Yep. We've just got to look after each other. How would you feel if, if you saw something like that happening, you didn't say anything about it, and someone that you care about or some poor unsuspecting family gets killed by one of these clowns, we've got to stop it. Yeah. The police can't stop it with their patrols. We've got to provide them the information to help them stop it. Simple as that.
0: It is. All right, mate, thought for the week to wrap it up? If you think your boss is stupid... Just remember, you probably wouldn't have a job if he was any smarter. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Mm.
2: Add on to that, mate. If you ever start to question your wife's choices, just remember that you were one of them.
0: (laughs) What was I heard the other day? That Someone said, you know, I looked at my wife in admiration and I thought, she's just one lucky woman. Yep. Yep. (laughs) There
2: you go. There you go. All
0: right, mate. Keep it safe.
2: Thanks, buddy. Take care. Oh, how's the book going? How are we going with that?
0: Oh, it's coming along. We're about eight chapters in now and it's coming together. Yep. We've got all our introductions done as well and the special dedication that's running in there. Yep. Yeah, It's sounding real good, so it won't be too
2: long. It's awesome because people keep bringing me up and saying, hey, Mick, where's the book? And yeah. I say, well, Andy's working on it.
0: Be patient, fellas. It's going to be worth the wait. Yep. We could rush it through or we could give you a good quality product and that's what we aim to do. Yeah.
2: Yep. Well, mate, take care of yourself and we'll see you in the soup.
0: Hooroo. Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper.
1: Line one, you're to have it
6: all and when they ask how you smile and tell them, never better.
0: We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, "G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well.
6: let the truth be told.
3: This is Adam Gibson from NTI, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy.
2: One of the biggest conversations that we've been having lately is about how the Labor government have promised $80 million for rest areas. I've got Adam Gibson from NTI with me, and we're going to have a little bit of a chat about what $80 million can buy.
3: How are you, Adam? Yeah, really well, Mike. Thank you very much for having me.
2: Mate, we've got a lovely aerial shot I'm looking at here of the Mullingandra rest area, which is one of the lovely rest areas northbound on the Hume Highway. It's an absolute cracker of a thing. I've stopped there for a short break from time to time myself. We've got two three lane bits so that you can park about 20 B doubles in there. There's toilets, there's a little bit of light vehicle parking. They've planted some trees. I think your criticism was that they should have just pushed it 20 metres back and put some audio acoustic barriers in there. Make Mullingandra rest area. How much did that one cost? Yeah,
3: so the cost for Mullingandra was uh, just over $6 million, $6.17 million in I think in about 2019.
2: And there's not even any gold-painted bloody handles on the taps in the toilets. Yeah, so you've got about 210 metres of length in the parking
3: bay section, plus obviously the on-ramps, off-ramps, and to sort of funnel it in, mm. toilet block, two picnic shelters, about eight car parking bays, a water tank. Mm. I chose this example because it goes to giving a sense of it's nice, mm. but there's no bells and whistles. Mm. This is what you get for $6 million in a rest area.
2: Pretty basic, isn't it? I mean, shit, it's a long walk back from one end back to the toilets, though. Yeah. They could put the toilets in the middle. <laughs> As I said, I would have
3: preferred to have seen it pushed back, hmm. even just get you know, 15, 20 metres away from the road, yep. two rows of acoustic barriers, plant some trees between them just to give some more isolation to improve the quality of sleep you're going to get in there. Hmm. But it's a heck of a lot better than a dirt pad you know, with no off-ramp on you know, it. A, it's a great facility and a, and a credit to the government for providing it.
2: Yeah, no argument. But uh, until those trees grow, mate, there's no shade. No, which,
3: uh, oh, this time
2: of year, not so bad. Mm. but Middle of summer when it's you know, a little heat wave rolling across
3: you know, 41 degrees Celsius outside for five days in a row. Mm. And the book says you've got to have a sleep at one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. it'd be decidedly warm. Well. but we better hope the ice packs, humming.
2: That's right. So 80 million, mate, that advice about 13 mullinganderers. That's not really good bang for the buck, is it?
3: I've got to celebrate the work. Anytime a government opens up its wallet for the road transport industry, that's a good thing. Yep. So we've got to flag the positive that is that $80 million commitment, but we do also need to put it in perspective of the $150 billion value of the road network in Australia. Yep. So it's good money and I welcome and I look forward to seeing the facilities it creates. But it's also a drop in the ocean compared to the scale of infrastructure spending we see to make that road network. Yeah. It's about one two thousandth of the value of the road network.
2: Well, there's been a great amount of mileage given to the idea that if we could just take where all the fatigue-related accidents happen and overlay that, that would tell us where we need to build the rest areas to sort of mitigate the fatigue accidents. You've got a great slide that you put up there that showed where all the fatigue accidents happened over the last five to six years or something. And really, as you said, when we talked about it, all it really does is show us where the highways are.
3: Yeah. So it crashes over $50,000 for the last four Natasi reports. Where did our fatigue crashes occur in round numbers, that would be a total of about 3,600 crashes, of which are around 10%, so about 360 fatigue crashes specifically. Mm. And yeah, as you say, what you end up doing when you, when you look at this, event, it's like, oh, great looking map, really fantastic. And then but you look a bit further and you start to think about it and really predominantly what it does is it successfully locates the Hume, the Pacific and the Bruce highways mm. and then other highways beyond that. It's useful. It provides some value, but I don't think it's the answer. You really need to be able to A, correct for freight volumes. Mm. So you need to be able to say number of fatigue crashes divided by the amount of trucks that are going down that bit of road. Mm. And the other thing you need to look at is essentially why did the crash occur. So it'd be really great to have a good overlay of not just formal rest areas, the vast majority of trucks don't take rest breaks in rest areas. They take them in what we'll call stopping places. Yeah. You know, more likely to be marked with uh, six green reflectors that, courtesy of Rod Hanafi mm. than they are to be a multi-million dollar facility courtesy of a transport minister. So what I propose instead is probably three approaches in how do we spend that $80 million. The first one, and this is going to sound, probably going to sound bloody obvious, mm. ask the truckies yeah. in that geez, this is the spot that I find it really hard. I run from here to here mm. and there's a 140-kilometer section where there's nowhere to pull up at all mm. and it almost always coincides when I need to take a rest break. Yeah. Well, that's the bloody good stuff. It'll need some filtering and triage. Everyone's going to want a rest area on their run, mm. but it's certainly a lot better to do that than normal approach of not asking. The second one is I think you can lean on telematics data Where are trucks actually stopping? Mm. And there's some data in what's called the National Freight Data Hub, built by the Commonwealth Government, using data from TCA, uh, Telematic Certification Australia, Transport Certification Australia, rather. And yeah, go and say, well, okay, where are they stopping? And that's a problem because if there's nowhere to stop, then no one stops there. Yeah. But overlay those two and, and look at the relationships there. And then, and only then, I think we come in with that NTI crash data and say. Yes, this is a nice little quality check. There's there's definitely issues around fatigue drivers on that leg. These three data sets together, the opinions of the drivers, the telematics data on where they're actually stopping, and our data on where the fatigue crashes are occurring, those three together should give us some pretty good guidance on where we might put those rest areas. Yeah. I will say one thing, though. As much as you can get six Gandras for $80 million, it's worth looking at other ways we might spend that, that a $1 million towards green spot reflector area marking and maybe another million dollars towards getting rid of the bollards and the boulders that are blocking off another thousand rest areas around the place gives a lot bigger return on investment than those really lovely, wonderful facilities at Melingandra. But yeah, how do we maximise the return on that investment? Hmm.
2: Well, that's 13, not six, mate, you said. (laughs) Sorry, 13. 13, My apologies. (laughs) That's okay. It really does feel like it could only be six, mate, by the time you build them in some places. Simple fact is, Senator Brown and Senator Stirl have both assured us as an industry that drivers will have a seat at the table for the discussion about where that $80 million gets spent. That, to me, is a big thing. As you say, the Green Reflector campaign by my friend and yours, Rod Hanafy, is probably one of the best bang-for-buck safety initiatives I've seen anywhere in the world.
3: I think it's up there with the lap sash seatbelts, the three point seatbelt mm. for return on investment for safety outcomes. Mm. And I cannot celebrate Rod's commitment to that initiative and Rod's vision in coming up with it highly enough. Mm. It's simply brilliant in its simplicity, and it's a tragedy that it's been such a difficult battle to see it rolled out. Yeah. I, by the nature of my role, have the fortune of being getting an ear of ministers, and it is mentioned 100% of the time that I have the ear of a transport minister.
2: Yeah. Well, I've actually seen literally tears of frustration from Rod when he's trying to explain how tough it's been for him to get that done. Hats off to him for pushing the barriers for as long as he has.
3: The man is, is simply a legend, and it's, it's been my pleasure on a few occasions uh, to buy that man a beer. <laughs>
2: Had one within the other night or three. All right, mate. Thanks for coming on. Join us to talk about the rest area situation. I suppose six months will tell the story. We'll see where the project's going, and hopefully it's beginning to happen.
3: Well, fantastic to be here, Mike. Thanks a lot, and talk soon.
2: Thanks, mate.
0: Canadian-born singer Jess Moskaluke cites Shania Twain amongst her early favorites when she was growing up. In this, her latest single release, you can really hear that influence shining through. Taking us out of the show this week, here's Jess Moskaluke with Knockoff. <laughs> the show for another week thanks for coming along for the ride on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer visit the website at nti.com.au and queensland rail committed to improving safety through engineering innovation and education for more information go to www.qr.com.au be sure to join us again next week when mike says
2: Oh, look, yeah, 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 I'm happy with it, yep.
0: Andy says, it's going to be a whopper. And our guest says, that's scary. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.
6: You couldn't.